I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. Welcome to our class where the Bible is the center of our attention. Today, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We hope you'll have your Bible open as we go through the chapter. We know that Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, had divine power while he was on the earth to be used according to his will. And the purpose was not to eradicate all disease, to eliminate poverty, or solve all ground-level problems and suffering, or create perfect weather or reform political governments. The purpose was to show dramatically that Jesus was the Messiah from God, divine in person, authentically sent by God to save us from sin. So these miracles have this purpose. Jesus is confirming his authority, his origin, his divinity, calling attention to God's gracious interest to save us from sin. Our study continues in Mark chapter 5, and the format or structure of this class, I read through the chapter with brief comments. We hope you'll be reading, following along in Mark chapter 5 in your Bible. Mark 5, 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately they met him, a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled 
and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. What a dramatic account in Mark chapter 5 of this demon-possessed man. And the point is, Jesus had more power than the demons in this man. So, I'll repeat what I said earlier. Reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is clear that during the earthly work and life of Jesus, the devil had such power, extraordinary power, in his assault against Jesus. But not only was Jesus not defeated, not only was his cause not weakened at all, the devil's use of his demons, many of them in this man, actually became an occasion where the superior power of Jesus was dramatically demonstrated. I'm not going to take a lot of time going into all of this in detail. Come visit with me through uh, email or contact me if you want to study these things further. But I will say, there is no reason for you to be concerned about being an unwilling victim of any possession or any assault of the devil like this. In fact, I will add, so long as you resist the devil and draw near to God because of the work of Christ, the devil cannot ruin your life unless you give him permission. Place your confidence in this promise made by God that has clarity to it. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Living out James 4 and verse 7, there's no reason to fear what the devil can do to you as long as you're living sincere faithfulness to God day after day. Please mark that down. Memorize that verse in James 4, 7. And may each of us do what that verse says. In the time when Christ was on the earth, there were these dramatic and aggressive tests of Christ's power. He was never weakened, never defeated. That's the point. Here in Mark 5, there is no exaggeration when I say this was a madman who lived in a cave who frightened people. One source I have says Jesus embarks 
on a daring invasion to claim alien turf under enemy occupation and reveals that there is no place in the world into which God's reign does not intend to extend itself. The confrontation that ensues reveals that every square inch at sea and on the land will be contested by Satan, but Jesus is the victor everywhere Satan is found, and in any way Satan attacks. Jesus has the greater power. About this man, the people in that area could not help him, could not control him. They lived in fear. They tried chains, and he pulled them apart. Shackles were broken in pieces. And this guy would come out of the cave from time to time and run around town making noise and cutting himself with stones. It was like he was the town monster. However bizarre this story seems, I see one point. Jesus power over the devil and his operatives, unlike anything the people there had ever witnessed. And wherever the devil had claimed victory, Jesus takes it away. Look at this from the perspective of the people in this location in the country of the Gerasenes, or the herdsman, or the man who was possessed, or Mark who wrote it, or as we read it. The details of this narrative are far overshadowed by one thing, and they all drive us to this one thing, all the details. Jesus' power over the devil and his operatives, unlike anything the people then had ever witnessed. If your mind is just staggering by some of the details of this account, just get this main point, Jesus' power over the devil. All right, let's continue in Mark 5. Shifting gears, a change of tone, Mark 5, 21 through 43, which continues to be about the power of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but grew worse. She heard, heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself 
that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing about you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Verse 35, Mark 5. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them, that no one should know this, and they told them to give her something to eat. That's Mark chapter 5. The rest of the chapter I read from verse 21 down to the end of the chapter at verse 43. Once again, a large crowd gathered around Jesus, pressing against him, crowded, a mass of people. And we are introduced to this man, the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. Seeing Jesus, he came to worship him and said, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Uh, every parent understands this plea. The father fears the loss of his child. Jesus went with him. On the way, something else happens. This poor woman suffered with a double aggravation. She had been subject to hemorrhaging or bleeding for 12 years. But there was another troubling thing. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse a double aggravation, a disease. And when you go to doctors for help, you spend money, very high co-pays, but you get worse. 
It is impressive to me her modesty would not suffer her to speak openly to the Lord for a cure, as others did. But by impulse of faith, she believed him and touched his garment for a cure she sought. Jesus responded, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Now remember, Jesus and his disciples are on the way to a funeral. The ruler named Jarius was taking them to his dying daughter. In fact, as they arrive, some come out and say, it's too late. She is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? When Jesus came into the house, I'm relying now not only on Mark's account, but the other accounts. When Jesus came into the house, he saw the sights and heard the sounds of the funeral, the flute players, the noisy crowd wailing. In, in Eastern culture to this day, when a death occurs in a family or neighborhood, the loved ones gather and wail and howl as an expression of their grief. So the girl is dead. The funeral is underway. I'm going to go to Matthew's account to help us here some. Matthew 9.24, he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. I believe the girl was dead. Matthew 9.18, the man said, my daughter has just died. Mark 5.35, the people at the house came out and said, your daughter is dead. Luke 8.49, your daughter is dead. She was dead. Jesus used the word sleep, but this poses no problem or contradiction because often in biblical language, death is referred to as sleep. In 1 Thessalonians 4.14, 1 Corinthians 15.18, other passages. Jesus is not taking issue with what they said about her condition. He's describing her condition in the typical language of that culture. She is asleep in death. Then what did Jesus do? Matthew 9.25, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. Mark 5, 41 to 45, he took the child by hand and said to her, Talitha kumai, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl rose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. And Luke 8, 55 leaves no doubt she was dead and Jesus brought her back to life. It says, then her spirit returned. So this was the miracle of resurrection brought to pass by Jesus. And the story is concluded <coughs> this way in Matthew's account, Matthew 9, 25 and 26. When the crowd was put aside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose and the report of this went out into all the land. The end of the story in Mark is Mark 5, 43. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Jesus' power over Satan, Jesus' compassion, Jesus' ability to know men, Jesus' ability to work miracles, all of that, packed into 
Mark chapter 5. This chapter introduces three hard cases which would impress Mark's audience with Jesus' jaw-dropping power. The demon-possessed man always brings out questions about Jesus sending demons into pigs. Why would he do that and why they wanted to go there? The truth is, we don't know and aren't told because it's not important to the purpose of the story. It's not in what we read. We need to get our eyes off the pig, somebody said, and look at the man who was healed. We also need to note that if you ask Jesus to leave, verses 17 and 18, he will. In verse 19, we get a change of strategy, as Jesus usually forbids this, but this area was heavenly Gentile, which may account for Jesus allowing this man to become his messenger. Go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And that would be a good purpose for us. We observe here the compassion of Jesus and the power of Jesus, the ability of Jesus to handle any situation that challenged him. Jesus, who is our Savior. No ordinary man, but the full and perfect expression of deity in human incarnation. And if the winds and the sea obey him, we should surrender to his power, receive his compassion, and entrust our minds and our lives to him. Thank you for watching this video.